give you a message you really need, that I really need to. So here was the split sermon. The title is Gorilla in the Midst, Sean Witt. Thank you, Ron. Good afternoon, everyone. So, you may have seen my title up here, kind of a play on words. I don't know if you're familiar with the movie Gorillas in the Mist, with an M-I-S-T, Mist. Um, Brian, you go ahead and put the first picture up there. So this is the image of Sigourney Weaver. My message is not on this movie. Um, it's a 1988 movie starring Sigourney Weaver about Diane Fossey, a world-famous primologist who devoted herself to the study of mountain gorillas in Rwanda. You can forget that because it has nothing to do with this. But rather, my message is about the tactics of guerrilla warfare. You can go ahead and put the next image up, Brian. There's a gentleman there that's uh, dressed up in camouflage. You can't really see him. That's kind of part of how the guerrilla warfare works. They can hide themselves, hide behind trees, different types of tactics within the guerrilla warfare. We're going to go to Webster's definition of guerrilla warfare. Um, so the noun variants of guerrilla, a person who engages in a regular warfare, especially a member of an independent unit carrying out harassment and sabotage. And then we have the objective or relating to or suggestive of guerrillas, especially in being aggressive, radical, or unconventional. And then furthermore, I decided to go to the Wikipedia encyclopedia to see what it says about guerrilla warfare. Guerrilla warfare is a form of irregular warfare in which small groups of combatists, such as Paramilitary personnel, armed civilians, or regulars use military tactics, according, including ambushes, sabotage, raids, petty warfare, hit-and-run tactics, and mobility to fight a larger and less mobile traditional military. Although the term guerrilla warfare has been coined in the context of the uh, Pensolar War in the 19th century, the tactical mechanism Methods of guerrilla warfare have been long in use. In the 6th century BC, uh, Sun Tuzi proposed the use of guerrilla-style tactics in the art of war. 3rd century BC, Rome, General Aquitus Fabius Maximus Verrocasus is also credited with inventing many of the tactics of guerrilla warfare throughout what today is the, called the Fabian Strategy. Guerrilla warfare has been used by various factions throughout history and particularly associated with the revolutionary movements and popular resistance against invading or occupying armies. And then we have guerrilla tactics. They focus on avoiding head-on confrontations with enemy armies, typically due to inferior arms or forces, and instead engage in limited skirmishes with the goal of exhausting adversaries and forcing them to withdraw. Due to this, guerrilla tactics are rarely used for anything other than defense. Organized guerrilla groups often depend on the support of the local population or foreign backers who sympathize with the guerrilla's group efforts. So why am I talking about guerrilla 
warfare. Well, to further expand on this, let's go to Revelation 12, verses 7 through 9. So, and a war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in the heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, and then the old serpent of old called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world, he was cast to the earth, where he resides today. And his angels were cast out with him. So Satan's the ruler of this world. He is the beginning of guerrilla warfare. That's the way he likes to use his tactics against us and the world, deceiving. So now we're going to go to Ephesians 6, verse 12. So we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So it talks a little bit more about what we're up against in this spiritual battle. I'd like to now go to 1 Peter 5, 8. So be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's how he, he hates us. We represent everything that he hates, and he'll do anything to stop us. He wants nothing more to devour us. As it says, he wants to devour us. He wants to eat us alive. He wants to destroy us for eternity. But we're told to be sober, to be vigilant, take this very seriously. Satan is the original creator of guerrilla warfare, like I mentioned. And these are the type of tactics he likes to use on us. He has a full arsenal of weapons that he can throw at us at any time. So I'd like to go an example of how Satan was allowed to do this. It was allowed through God to test Job. But I'd like to go to Job 1, verses 6 through 12. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and walking up and down it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not to put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands. His possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch it on his, all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand, so that Satan went, <clears throat> excuse me, Satan went from his presence of the Lord at that time. And we know the rest of the story. He was basically told, don't kill him, but you have your way. Do whatever you want to his family. They all died, and um, his cattle, and significant uh, you know, chaos in his life. Of course, it was all restored back to him, uh, even more so, more abundantly. So Satan only has as much power over us as God gives him, all that he allows. You know, there's times over God's... Um, allows Satan to test our character to the fullest extent. Uh, so Satan only has so much power over us that God allows. In this case, God allowed Satan to test Job to the fullest extent, taking away everything from him. 
You know, God gives us trials at times. <clears throat> he allows it to happen to us to strengthen and develop our character that is needed for continuing in our conversion. Or for even others that may witness what we're going through to try to help strengthen them and help them through their conversion as well as a witness to what we're going through. You know, and when God gives us these trials, sometimes Satan likes to piggyback on them and he likes to discourage us, uh, trying to make things a little bit worse for us, try to destroy our faith by using darts, temptations. God doesn't give us temptations, it's Satan that does. Doubts and fears and the rest of his guerrilla tactics. So now let's go to um, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 through 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So we have to always guard our minds. Satan's the prince of the power of the air, and he's constantly broadcasting, but we need to choose not to listen to his broadcast. And we need to learn to discern whether it's his voice or if it, whatever's going on. We need to make sure we are discerning and knowing what is happening to us. Sometimes it's very obvious. And other times it's more subtle. You know, I can think of a lot of times in my personal life, uh, myself and my family over this past year, of just Satan throwing darts at us, trying to discourage us. And like I said, some are more obvious, some are more subtle. Most recently, my family has seen a lot of darts, darts taking place, hitting at us as Art's been in the hospice. Uh, Kim was recently bitten by a bug, and it swelled up really bad. Her legs swelled and got all red and itchy and uh, very painful. And so she went to go to the Instacare and was turned away. So she went to go to another Instacare was turned away. She's turned away, I think, from like four or five different Instacares. Crazy. She's not able to get in because they're just so busy. Finally, the next day, she was able to make an appointment with an Instacare. She got there at 5 p.m. that afternoon, and she found out she has cellulitis. So kind of a serious deal, um, and she had to keep it elevated and wrapped 20 minutes at a time because of the swelling, and you got to watch it, because cellulitis can be you know, not a good situation. It can be fatal if not taken care of. So she was put on a seven-day antibiotic um, but after that antibiotic came to an end, um, it was only seven days. I guess typically you're supposed to go more than that. It came raging back. Uh, so basically she had to start over her treatment plan and she went on a stronger antibiotic uh, to help to get rid of this situation that uh, was starting with her. Uh, thankfully, it's down and getting better. She's taking care of it with a new antibiotic, but it's just one of those darts we feel that Satan was throwing at her um, just in the midst of everything going on, just to discourage and bring us down. And myself, Samuel, my mom, um, have dealing with an upper respiratory virus kind of a situation. Mine is getting better, but I feel like it's kind of coming back, so I don't think I'm contagious. I haven't got a fever, but I'll try to keep my distances for sure. Uh, but that's been wearing us down as well. It kept me home from work one day this week. And it's just tiring and, you know, beating us down some more. And as you know, we just had our floor replaced about six months ago with a flood incident. And um, 
some came up where our floor is damaged again in a situation where we have to get it repaired. So just more darts, you know, being thrown. And some of these things may seem minor and more, you know, a bigger deal, but it's, it's just Satan just doing his thing. The guerrilla warfare, just every, everywhere you turn, you know, it's kind of hitting at you, trying to discourage. You know, like I was saying, I feel like all of this was to discourage us. in the midst of art being in the hospice. Um, this is why we must always be on guard with all of our armor on, because we have to take the battle seriously every day. Whether we realize it or not, we are within a spiritual battle. So I'd like to go to Ephesians 6, verses 12, 18, verses 10 through 18, and we're going to talk about the armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on your full armor of God so that the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your guard and your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm, then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the righteousness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, take up your shield of faith, with which you can extinguish those fiery arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always be praying for the Lord's people. So, you can see we're at war. We need to have our armor on and remain close to God. You know, and as I was reading the last part of that, it says, um, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind be alert always keeping praying for all the Lord's people and in the midst of Satan trying to discourage and bring us down there was great things that God was accomplishing doing all, all of this and I've reread that regarding the prayers because when the hospital told us that Art was having to go to hospice that there was no further treatment plan for him, that he was in the end of his life. We were put into contact with two hospice houses, which were both totally free, which are run by volunteers that Art could go to. Um, the one that he ultimately went to was the car house. And we were told it could be several weeks before he could get into the hospice house. But um, Art was in there within three days. And I really feel like that was a answered prayer. And, you know, God knew that it would be best for Art to be able to be there. And a lot of people were able to come and visit him. And I just want to say on behalf of our family, I want to thank you all for your prayers, being prayer warriors, um, for praying for Art and for our family. We're very blessed to have such a wonderful God-fearing church family. And we have witnessed so much love and devotion with all the prayers, endless hours of visits with Art, 
uh, the gifts and encouragement. It's been truly overwhelming, so thank you. And much love has been shown. You know, Art has ran his race. He's at rest now. We're still here. We're still here. We need to keep the fight going uh, to continue that good fight and run the race. And regardless of what Satan throws at us, because we need to remember that Christ has already won the battle over Satan. We just need to stay close to him. Keep our heads in the game, not allowing Satan's darts to penetrate us. We've got to have that armor on. And many of you may have already heard this, but Art gave a wonderful gift. Actually, God gave Art, what I'm trying to say, a wonderful gift before he passed. Art called it his euthoric experience, where he was at total peace, and he, this peace is something he has never felt before, where he felt like God was taking him through the universe, flying around, seeing everything, and he was at total peace. He's never felt that peace before in his entire life. He said it was a, just amazing, this peace that he had. And you know, God, he is so merciful as well, because prior to Art having that euphoric experience, he was really having a hard day, probably the worst day that he's possibly had in his life. The lowest point. He called Matt and he said he thought he was dying. He tried to get a hold of mom and he called Matt. He got through and so they rushed up there, several other people. <laughs> and as soon as they got up there expecting Art to be a mess, he was exuberant. He was like, I've just flown around the universe and Matt was looking to see what was in his, uh, the bag up there, if there's some kind of drugs or something, because they're not supposed to be, but he was just, God had just given him that gift. He had shown him his future, and I just think that was such a wonderful blessing to him. And he wasn't fearful anymore. He was at total peace. So what a blessing that that was before he passed. So in conclusion, I'd like to go to Romans 8, verses 38 through 9. <clears throat> For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, the battle is already won. We just need to stand firm with our armor on and not surrender to the enemy.